Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope, including our worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Rufus Smith. I want to talk this morning about three keys to successful human relationships. Three keys to successful human relationships. That would be personal and professional, all in between. All of us live in a world of people. There are about seven billion of us here in the world, and um, almost uh, six and a half million here in Tennessee, about a million in Shelby County, 650,000 in the city of Memphis. Everywhere I turn, I bump into people. So we have to learn how to get along with one another. And so Jesus Christ gave us three keys on how to have successful human relationships in a fallen, broken world. I want you to repeat this passage after me. Luke chapter 6, verses 36 through 38. And do it with some vim, vigor, and vitality. Amen? Well, that didn't sound too vim. (laughs) Be merciful. Mm -hmm. Even as your father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, Shaken together and running over will be put in your lap. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. See, our relationships have a boomerang effect. You ever heard that saying, what goes around comes around? Well, it is a biblical truth in relationships as well. Now, upon first reading of this passage in verse 38, when it says, give, and it shall be given unto you, it's easy to assume that the passage is primarily talking about money, but it is not. It is not. When Jesus says, judge not, that's relationships, not remuneration, big word for money. When he says, condemn not, that's relationships, not money. When he says, forgive, that's relationships, not money. Giving is a secondary application to be sure. But what this passage is really focusing on is relationships. And so he gives us these three keys. 
I believe, as I've said to you over and over again, that Jesus Christ knows more about living than any man that has ever lived. And since at birth he has originated life, at death he will terminate life. In judgment he will evaluate life. With every breath we take he perpetuates life. It only makes sense that every day he ought to operate our lives, including in the area of relationships. It is very interesting that communication experts tell us when it comes to speaking to people, 55% of communication is nonverbal. 38% is tonal. It's not what you say, but how you say it. 7% is content. And so in actuality, when it comes to relationships and speaking to each other, we are talking before we open our mouth. Has it ever happened to you? You come home, if you're married, you say, hi, things, and your spouse say, fine. I heard your content, fine, but your tone, how you said it, and your body language, your facial expression tells me it ain't fine. I know that's not good English, but you get the point. You ever been talking to one of your children or a friend that you've met for lunch or breakfast or dinner, and you ask them how things are going, and by their body language, by their tone of voice, even though they say, I'm all right, or it's well, you already know that something is not right. And men, let me say this for us, most of us, this is the one that we focus on, content. I keep telling my wife, if you just listen to what I say, I got the data, I got the facts, nothing else makes sense. 93% of what I'm saying ain't hitting home. So Jesus gives us some clues. Now let's read this entire passage. Um, he says, as you wish that others do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those to whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and to the whom? Even to the evil. So be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. 
Give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give into your lap. Now here's the boomerang. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Relationships. So here's the first thing Jesus taught us. Give the benefit of the doubt. Everybody deserves the benefit of the doubt. Stop giving people what they deserve. Judge not so that you yourself won't be judged. Praise God, he does not always give me what I deserve. So give another person the benefit of the doubt. Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. I remember when I, my daughter, favorite youngest, oldest daughter was in the third grade and I was talking about mercy and grace and she just said, Dad, I learned what mercy and grace is. This is a third grader. This is what she said. We learn in school that mercy is and grace is wow. Mercy, I didn't get what I deserved. Grace, wow, I got what I didn't deserve. Wake up the person next to you, you got that? Mercy is, I didn't get what I deserve. Grace, wow, I got what I didn't deserve. Isn't that just like God? Who gives mercy to the ungrateful and even to the evil? How many of us can say, not only have I not gotten what I deserve in most instances, but I've gotten the bonus. I've gotten some things that I didn't deserve. Amen? Now, when I say judge not, when Jesus says judge not, he does not mean suspending evaluation from people. It is wise to evaluate your surroundings and surround people and to analyze for your own safety and the safety of others. That's not what I'm talking about when I say judge not or when Jesus says to judge not. In this context, he essentially means three things. One, he says, Rufus, don't be hasty. Don't pull the trigger too quick. Don't be hasty. And secondly, don't be unduly harsh. Don't be unduly harsh. Listen, when we hear about a person who has made a mistake or have fallen, give the benefit of the doubt. You know why? You don't know how long they struggled to stand. Don't be unduly harsh. And then lastly, don't have a final verdict on a person's destiny. Just because they are where they are now doesn't mean that they will be there forever. My present location does not mean that'll be my final destination. Don't have a final verdict on a person's destiny. Don't be hasty, don't be harsh, don't have a final verdict because you and I don't know the whole story. Only God knows. Listen, I can see what's in front of me. 
because that's how I'm made. That's how you're made, anatomically, physiologically. I can only see what's in front of me, but I don't know what's going on behind me. And if I turn to see what's going on behind me, guess what? I don't know what's happening in front of me. Why? Because I'm designed to only see one side at a time. Only God knows the whole story. He knows our hearts. And he knows the whole story. So if I don't, I have to give you the benefit of the doubt. Because I don't know your heart, your attitude, your activity, your ambition, my, acti my attitude, that's my past, my activity, that's my present, my ambition, that's my future. God knows my past, my present, and my future. He knows the whole story. And because he knows the whole story, only he can judge. So judge not. Give everybody the benefit of the doubt and not what you and I think they deserve. Here's the second thing. Give commendation rather than condemnation or criticism. I'll spend most of my time giving commendation rather than condemnation or criticism. If I look hard enough, I can find something to commend you about rather than casually looking or looking at the surface and find something to condemn you or criticize you about. So condemn not and you will not be condemned. When it comes to condemnation or prejudice, we all have biases. We all have incomplete knowledge and we make preconceived notions because we just don't know the whole story. And we, if we're not careful, we'll condemn people on the surface just because of who they are or where they've been. Do you know we have so many different biases and we condemn people almost unconsciously? For example, we have some regional biases, northerners versus southerners. I've been in Memphis 11 years. I quickly learned in the first year that was a judgment between West Tennessee and East Tennessee. I never lived here, but I, I got that. Ageism. If we're not careful, we will condemn. Young people will condemn or prejudge older people. Older people will prejudge younger people. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Find something to commend the other generation about. Sexism. Men will condemn women in the workplace. They can't do certain jobs, and vice versa. Condemnation, criticism, just looking on the surface. Political condemnations. You know Republicans aren't compassionate, don't you? Democrats don't have family values, right? Just by a label, we condemn people without ever really getting to know them. Now, don't write me any emails. That was facetious, all right? 
classism. Rich people condemn poor people, working class, middle class. Middle class, prejudge, have biases and condemn rich people. Religious prejudice and condemnation. You are Catholic, I'm Protestant. You are Jewish and you are, uh, I'm Muslim. Condemn without ever getting to know people. Able-bodied people condemn or prejudge those who are disabled-bodied. Jesus says, condemn not, and you will not be condemned. I love the way that Jesus, when he does make correction, this is how he does it, and we can learn from him. He was writing to the church of Ephesus, and he said to the apostle John, write to the church of Ephesus. Now, I want you to notice what he did, commendation. Watch this. Write a letter to the angel of the church of Ephesus, that is, the uh, shepherd there. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampsticks. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance, commendation. I know you don't tolerate evil people, <clears throat> commendation. You have examined the claims of those who say that they are apostles and they are not, commendation. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, commendation. But I do have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You know, I can do a whole lot better with criticism when there's commendation first. When I have been cuddled, I can more easily be corrected. When I have been cheered, I can more easily be jeered. And that's what Jesus did. He says, I'm gonna look and tell you and commend you about all these things you have done right. And then I want to give this corrective measure. But this one, you have not loved me or each other like you have in the past. I'm trying to quit on this. But the Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says this to us. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's what he did for us. He bore our burdens. So Paul is basically saying that when a person has fallen, been tempted by sin, and have given in, he says, Restore such a one. It's a beautiful Greek word. I have to show it to you. <clears throat> the word is, and I like this word, kartitso. It means to mend. To mend. Kartitso means to restore. It means to mend. We see this word when the fisherman in Jesus' day, he saw Peter and John mending nets. You know what happens to nets? Because they are dragged through the sea on a daily basis. The salt carrying the weight of the fish day after day, those nets begin to get soft 
and they break. And from time to time, they need to be sown so that they are strengthened again so that they can keep on fishing. That's what kartotitso or restore really means. Now watch this. As we live in this world, it's broken, it's polluted, and we are living day by day. Sometimes we get stained by the sin, mistakes, and failures of the world. Paul says, when you see a brother or sister that have been trans, uh, trans, given in to transgression, give commendation, not condemnation. Restore such a one. Help mend them, strengthen them, sew them back together. And when you do that, they will be stronger as a result. Is there anybody that you need to help mend, kartotitso, restore, to make them stronger? I remember when I was um, 10 or 15 years ago playing baseball like I thought I used to play. And I threw a baseball, I couldn't, it didn't warm up. And I tried to throw from third to first and get a person out like I was in my 20s, but I wasn't. And I threw my arm out. And I couldn't lift it beyond this height right here. And I went to the doctor after a couple of days, it didn't get better. And he said, you're going to have to go see a physical therapist. So I went to the physical therapist, which was downtown. And he said, what you have to do is see me four times a week, three or four times a week, every day for six weeks. I said, man, I don't have time to come see you three or four times a week for six weeks. I don't have time to do that. He said, well, I guess you want your arm to stay this way. <laughs> so I didn't listen to him. And I just waited probably another almost a week. And guess what? That arm was not getting better. So I showed up and I said, well, here I am. And he began to work on it, give me various exercises. First day, second day, third day, fourth day, first week, second week, nothing. I'm about ready to give up the third week. And all of a sudden, I started able to move it just a, a little bit higher. Fourth week, fifth week, sixth week, and now back to normal. Stronger than it was before. That's kartotitso. That's mending people back together. Here's the last one. Give somebody another chance. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Now notice I said give somebody another chance. I don't know about you, but I blew second chances a long time ago. I don't need a second or third chance. I need another chance. Somebody needs another chance. Forgive. Relieve them of the guilt. Release them from the pressure. Forgive them. It starts with a choice. I may not feel like it, but he told me to do it as a command and feelings will come trotting along afterwards. So forgive as a matter of principle. Release a person from their guilt. Relieve them from the wrong they've done or committed to you. And you yourself will be forgiven when you need to be forgiven. I need that. Forgive and you will be forgiven.
I'll give you another baseball story. When I started playing baseball, I was um, a pitcher. And uh, my first game when I pitched, second inning, a no-hitter. And I was losing 11 to nothing. Some of you say, no, wait a minute. How do you lose 11 to nothing pitching a no-hitter? Because I walked every batter. <laughs> I could not throw a strike to save my life. And the coach on the other team knew I couldn't throw a strike. I heard him in the dugout say to his players, don't take the bat off of your shoulder. He can't throw a strike. If you swing at anything, I'm taking you out the game. I heard him say it. And I still couldn't throw a strike. <laughs> so in the third inning, Coach Scotty, I'll never forget it, came to me. He said, Rufus, you got a strong arm. I want you to go play third base for the rest of the game. And you know what he could have said in front of the whole team? Man, you are such a disappointment. You have failed the team. We are 12 runs behind. Get off the team. He could have said that because I failed the team. But you know what he did? He forgave me and gave me another chance. Baseball has been kind to me. It's taught me about life, opened many doors and opportunities for me, but it never would have had not the coach forgiven my failures and gave me another chance. I almost feel like preaching because you know why? We have a divine coach who we have failed, but he gave us another chance. I am where I am today because the divine coach gave me another chance, not a second chance, not a third chance, but another chance. And you are where you are because the divine coach gave you another chance. He didn't pull you out of the game. If you want to have successful relationships, Jesus says, judge not give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Give commendation rather than condemnation or criticism. And then give somebody another chance. I'm going to close with this sobering passage from The Voice. And then I'm through for the day. This is Jesus after he was talking about relationships. Peter said, well, Lord, when someone has sinned against me, how many times ought I forgive him? Once, twice, as many as seven times. Jesus said, you must forgive him not seven times, but 70 what? Times seven. Peter reflected how we feel. Jesus says, if you want to understand the kingdom of heaven, think about a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Just as the king began to get the council in order, his assistants called his attention to a certain slave who owed them a huge sum what a laborer might make in 500 lifetimes. That's how much he owed them. 500 lifetimes. The slave, maybe an embezzler, had no way to make restitution. So the king ordered that he, his wife, his children, everything that the family owned be sold on the auction block, the proceeds from the slave sale would go toward paying back the king. 
Upon hearing this judgment, the slave fell down, prostrated himself before the king and begged for what? Mercy, have mercy on me and I will somehow pay you everything. The king was moved by his pathos, his emotions of the situation. So indeed, he took the pity on the servant and told him to stand up and then forgave the debt, released him, relieved him of the burden. But that slave went and found a friend, another slave, who owed him about a hundred days wages. He owed 500 lifetimes and he found somebody who owed him a hundred days wages. Pay me back the money, shouted the slave, throttling his friend, shaking him with threats of violence. The slave's friend fell down prostrated and begged for have mercy on me and I will somehow pay you everything. But the first slave cackled. He mocked him and was hard-hearted, refused to hear the friend's plea. He found a magistrate and had his friend thrown into prison where he says, you will sit until you pay me back. The other servants saw what was going on. They were upset, so they went to the king, told him everything that had happened. The king summoned the slave to the one that he had owed so much money, 500 lifetimes, the one whose debt the king had truly forgiven and relief, and the king was livid, mad. You slovenly scum, he said, seething with anger. You begged me to forgive your debt, and I did. What would be the faithful response of such latitude and generosity? Surely you should have shown the same charity to a friend who was in your debt. The king turned over the unmerciful slave to the brigade of torturers and they had their way with him until he should pay his whole debt. And that is what my father in heaven would do to you unless you forgive each of your brothers and each of your sisters from the very cockles depth of your heart. I dare not give somebody another chance when he has given me another and another chance. Let's pray together. Help us, our Father, to be merciful as you have been merciful. We understand relationships are difficult. They are complex. They're messy. We understand that we don't suspend our judgment. That's not the point of what you're teaching in this passage. But we also understand we live in a broken world we fail, we make mistakes. We don't know the whole story. Teach us afresh to give the benefit of the doubt and to give commendation first before condemnation or criticism. Help us to look and find something positive we can say before we pile on with the negative. 
And if there's someone in our circles of contact that needs to be released or relieved from a debt they owed us, help us to give them another chance. You never gave up on us. May we not give up on others. For the sake of the kingdom and the glory of the high king, we pray and praise. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openheisen, musical worship director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit us online at hopechurchmemphis.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.